Back to the Culture Call on Praise 93.3 with L. Spencer Smith. Our desire is to reach and empower the community by discussing a cross-section of relevant topics from various perspectives that are essential to its growth and interpersonal connections. Be sure to save our call-in number 205-752-4800. Be sure to install the free Praise 93.3 app so you can send L. Spencer Smith a message or topic idea. Search for WTSK in your app store. That's right. It's time for the number one talk show right here, The Culture Call, with yours truly, Elspeth Smith. It is the place where Tuscaloosa <laughs> indeed meets the world for the next two hours. That's right, for the next two hours from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. We're going to be talking a little bit about everything. Wouldn't you like that from society to sports, education to economics, and definitely from religion to relationships. And as always, every day we are here to create a safe space. That's right, a safe space to have empowering, provocative, and yes, sometimes controversial conversations. You know, we've got to dibble and dabble in some controversial things, you know, every now and then. And guess what? You can call in or chat it up with us as we learn together right here on the Culture Call, want to send a special shout out to if you are new listening to the Culture Call this morning, welcome to the Culture Call family, the CC family. Absolutely. We are glad and grateful to have you on this morning. You need to tell everybody, tune in. Uh, we've got a good, good talking today. That's where we're going to have a great show, but welcome. Uh, we want to invite you to buckle up, have a great time, and call in. That's right, call in and chat it up with us. Also, want to send a shout out to those of you who keep listening to us, listening to us every day. That's right, every day. You've made us the number one. That's right, talk show. And I am super, super excited about that. Continue. Tell everybody. That's right. Put it in your church announcements. I don't know. Put it in your family chat on your Facebook page or on your text messages. Tell everybody. L is on. Bishop L is on. And we are having a good time right here at the Culture Call. Always want to send a special shout out to the inimitable, the amazing Brother Jay that brings it on every morning from 5 until I get on at 10 a.m. I'm telling you the best of gospel music. I was just in here telling him, listen, you playing that G.E. Patterson. My goodness, yes, God is real. Don't make me have a, a Baptist fit over here in the next studio. I'm telling you, he always makes it worth getting up at 5 a.m. Those of you have to go to work or, you know, you're just around your house meditating. Yeah, tune in to Brother Jay. He makes it worth your while. Absolutely. Listen, I want to encourage all of you, if you've not done so yet, to go to the app device store on your phone, on your electronic device. And there you can search out Praise 93 FM, 93.3 FM. That's right. You can find us there. Download that app and you can listen to the best and the most inspiration gospel music. You can find out what's happening in our area. It'll send you uh, uh, reminders and alerts and updates. That's right. You need to be a part of that so you won't be late, last, or lost. You know, as we serve on the Culture Call, that's one of our things that we as a people will definitely not be late, last, or lost. So, yeah, go ahead and make certain uh, that you are uh, uh, you download that app, Praise 93.3 FM app. It's free, 99, and it doesn't cost you a thing. 
So go ahead and do that, and you can listen to us wherever you are all around the globe. That's right, whether you are in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Detroit, Detroit, Michigan, Houston, Texas, or right here in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, Birmingham, uh, what is that, Huntsville, mm-hmm, Montgomery, Mobile, Bology, Utah, Reform, Gordo, you name it, Gatson, you can listen to us anywhere you are when you have that app, absolutely. Listen. Also, I want you to go ahead and write down this email, culturecall.praise at gmail.com. Give it to your church secretary. Give it to the person who's in charge of giving uh, out community announcements in whatever organization you're in. That's right, culturecall.praise at gmail.com. And send us your public service announcements so that we can allow everyone and let everybody know uh, what's going on in your neck of the woods. Because I know it's some great things. The The weather is warming up. You know, trying to at least, right? I'm just grateful to see the sun this morning instead of the clouds and the rain. But we need the rain. We definitely need that so we don't despise that because the ground needs the rain. Rain falls, things grow, right? But go ahead and uh, let everybody know uh, and to send that to me, whether it's your church, your organization, your sorority, your fraternity. Absolutely. Uh, whether you are an artist getting ready to have a concert or a preacher, uh, that's getting ready to run a revival. We want everybody to know what's happening again in your neck of the woods. Absolutely. Want to make sure that we show up big for you. Put faces in the place so that you can know that what you're doing in our community uh, is worth it. You know why? Because we always do it better when we do it together. As always, you can uh, call in and save this number, 205 Zero, zero. You can call into the show and be a part of the conversation, or you can get on the app. There's a chat feature there, and you can send it directly to me. And I'm always looking, doing the breaks, making sure that uh, what what you're saying, whether you're telling me, you know, hey, L, you're doing a great job, Bishop. You are stinking up the joint, you know, or you tell me things that you want me to talk about that we haven't touched on yet. We've talked about a lot of things, absolutely. But I want to make sure that I address the concerns of our community's heart, right? Good deal. You can do that that, play, that way as well. Also, follow me on Facebook, The Culture Call. Follow me there. Just push the like button. That's the thumbs up button. And you can send me uh, a message there. You can send me your announcements. You can send me whatever you want to uh, say there. You can do that. And uh, the last thing is if you've missed a show, yeah, because sometimes you're not always able to catch the show or when it's on, yeah, uh, you're probably at work or you've been traveling or whatever that case may be, you can go to Apple Podcast and uh, type in Culture Call and you will see our past shows. Uh, They try to uh, archive it every day and to make sure that you are able to listen to us, go ahead and do that. Uh, so that you won't miss not near a show, right? I don't want you to miss not anything that we say, especially on today. Every day is important while we're on the culture call. So do me a favor, sit back and relax, grab you some coffee. You know how we do it from Maxwell House to Starbucks, right? Grab you some tea, some herbal tea, whether you're doing some chamomile to kind of calm down and chill out or whether you need some green tea, huh? Yeah, to get a little caffeine kick to wake up a little bit. And you can always definitely, always definitely get you some alkaline water. That's the water with the black label. That's right. It's going to say alkaline. It might say uh, uh, 8 point, uh, eight plus, yeah, 8.5 plus. That's right. Go ahead and detox that body. Get that bad stuff out of your, uh, your cells, uh, out of your blood, out of all that. Get it out of you. That's right. 
and uh, get those cells to waking up and say, hey, let's get into the culture. Listen, all so many things are going on, but we still are celebrating Black History Month. And uh, I was just on a marriage retreat with our church and um, that it was so wonderful in the mountains of Gatlinburg, the Smoky Mountains. It was just beautiful. And we had an amazing, amazing time. Shout out to the marriage ministry of the Impact Nation Church. Uh, I'm telling you, we just we shared. You know what? Marriage is important. If you're going to be married, be married. Right. <laughs> that is an investment. Right. That is that is uh, a gift that God allows us to have uh, that we can begin to show forth the mystery of Christ and the church. I think sometimes people don't understand uh, their obligation and responsibility to the church uh, because they really they don't, they don't have an understanding of what it really means uh, to be married. It's a, it's a it's an assignment. It's work, you know, and it's not bad work. And, but it's it's something that you've got to definitely work on. And so we went to the mountains and we did the work uh, this past week. And I'm telling you, it was amazing. Uh, we are intergenerational church. I like to put that in there. Uh, we have church with uh, uh, those who have been living a long time. Yeah. And I think this year we had people who had been married about 40 years. And then we had newlyweds there. So we had a, a great a great swath of of different ages and stages in marriage, and we had a great and awesome time putting in the work, wisdom, and helping each other, pouring into each other. It was just amazing, amazing, amazing. Get you some place that will help you build your marriage. You know what? Marriage is part of the 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 foundation of a strong black community, right? And um, I still believe in marriage, even if you have been divorced, you should still believe in marriage. You don't get everything right every time the first time. Sometimes you just don't get it right, right? But I still believe that God has ordained marriage. And the text says that what, whoever, what God has ordained, what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. And so it, this time, make sure that God has joined you together. Yeah, and then work on it. And then work on becoming one. Absolutely. But we had a great time. And um, as I was thinking about, you know, coming down from the mountain, I was thinking about what what did I want to deal with? Uh, on the show today and even before I left home my wife asked me what are you going to be talking about I was just I said honey I don't know I'll, I'll get it by the time I get to the station and yo while I was driving while I was driving I heard Holy Spirit say to me really clearly he just said hey let's talk about let's get some folks healed today yeah y'all don't mind being healed right let's get some folks healed and whole today let's talk about trauma I said trauma during Black History Month what like what better time to talk about overcoming and conquering and confronting trauma than Black History Month? Because if anybody, if any group of people know about trauma, it should be us. Trauma is not, you know, just relegated to us. It's just not assigned to us as black people. But we definitely know about trauma and how to deal with the experiences that deeply affect us. And there are various levels of trauma and trouble and trial and uh, that we go through and that we have to live through. And uh, but we very rarely talk about it. You know, Um, this generation, they have therapists. But when I was growing up, it was not, you know, it was not apropos to have therapists. It wasn't in, you know, in in vogue, if I can say that at the time that when I was growing up and that was the 1970s, you know, 1980s, 90s. It wasn't. No, it's a recent phenomenon that black people are embracing therapy. So most of our parents and our foreparents, grandparents, great grandparents, right? They had to deal 
with trauma as a community. They had to deal with trauma uh, by by their faith, by prayer. They had to live through it, right? And um, one of the things that I think is so very important is um, as I as I finish this degree that I'm working on right now. Yay! I'm, uh, yeah, in May I graduate. Yo, that's right. Shout out to the bishop. He graduates in May. Absolutely, Lord keeps life and body. I will walk across the stage at the School of Theology at Virginia Union. That's right. I'm excited about it. But one of the things that I have learned in my uh, pastoral care class is that everyone has to deal with some level of trauma in their lives. And trauma is not trauma simply because something happened to you. Trauma is trauma because of the effects, the lasting effects that it leaves and how we begin to deal with it. Right. That trauma is only trauma, number one, because there is something that has deeply inflicted the soul, deeply inflicted the psyche, the mind. It has caused you uh, to be disturbed on so many levels that you cannot find peace in the midst of calamity, that something has happened. Um, and there can be a myriad of experiences um, that has happened uh, to to you and because of you uh, not and yeah it could be because of you and because of others but you've experienced something that sometimes you really haven't dealt with in the proper way right and it can have a long-term effect on a person's well-being and and a lot of times it can result in emotional and psychological distress right one of the things that I did learn in my pastoral care class uh, dr. Harry Simmons <laughs> shout out to him is that that we as black people, the uniqueness of black trauma and trauma that we experience in the black community is our trauma can be epigenetic. What does that mean? That our traumas and the result of our traumas can be passed on even through the bloodline to, from one generation to the next. So even though you may not have experienced hardship and slavery or racism or XYZ to the degree of that our foreparents did, because they had no outlet because they had no therapy. They had no one to walk them through the pain and the suffering uh, of that trauma, of the experiences that had happened. I mean, think about it. These people have seen crosses burned. They saw lynchings. They were disenfranchised. You know, uh, they had the worst uh, accommodations. Uh, they had to go through the back door. And when you begin to couple all of that with regards to our history and, you know, when, when you think about that, the, the Birmingham bombing, just that one thing uh, that in my lifetime, their parents were alive. I think that uh, their parents just just passed away in transition um, recently. So think about the years that they had to live with that. And then they birthed another generation, you know, of their children, their grandchildren, their great grandchildren. You know what this whole I, uh, uh, you know what this whole science of epigenesis says is that that particular trauma that let's just say the McNairs, one of the parents, but the McNairs experience transferred biologically, psychologically, even to their great grandchildren, right? And and that that trauma, if you don't take care of it, is a lot of times what we mislabel as generational curse. Um, and when it, when in, tr in truth it is a generational impediment called undealt with or uh, unhandled trauma, that there is nothing to the soothing of our soul to the specific experience. Now, 
part of the way that our foreparents were able to make it through such traumatic experiences is they did have the black church. They did have a close-knit family. They did have a a system and a faith and serving and care uh, for one another. So they grew up having to be responsible and encouraging each other in those systems in the face of tremendous, tremendous systemic pain and uh, uh, disenfranchisement, right? And 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 so that's kind of how they dealt with it. But as generations move away uh, from the their uh, center of faith, uh, as they relegate the the black church as a relic in uh, in the community, and because a lot of preachers are not skilled enough to talk about and help people through trauma, and because community resources are not as prevalent in our community as it might be in other communities. And because of our, listen, you saw all these lists, and because of our stigma on getting therapy, right? On our stigma on getting psychological help that the black community, yes, we have a stigma about, I'm not going to no, I'm not going to no shrink. I'm not going to this person. I'm not going to this the X by person to check on my mental health, to check on my emotional health. A lot of people walk around from generational PSD, PTSD, post-traumatic stress syndrome, uh, and, and they go through all of this. And we, we sit and we look back from a distance and we wonder why certain things show up in certain bloodlines, certain families uh, deal with certain uh, recurring issues, certain family deals with certain health challenges, uh, cancer, diabetes, hypertension, high, you know, high blood pressure, other words, uh, while they deal with certain things, that that all what, what today's technology and medicine will tell you is that is from systemic trauma, undealt with trauma that is still connected to the bloodline that is being transferred. The effects of that are being transferred epigenetically, right? that something happened to my great-granddaddy and it was able to rest there and foster there. And now here it is, I'm in 2024 and I'm experiencing the same things. You know how we say, well, my mama had it, my grandmama had it and her mama had it. You know, my daddy had it, my granddaddy had it, his father had it. And sometimes if we're not careful, we use those things as badges of honor, right? We use those things as identification labels to, and we, we embrace them and we don't really treat them properly because it's a sign that, yes, I am a part of this family. But what you don't understand is a lot of those things were evolved over time and strengthened themselves because of the tremendous amount of psychosomatic, psycho mind, somatic body, mind, body stress that our foreparents had to go through, right? So I'm not having high blood pressure and hypertension and all these other kinds of sicknesses and and diseases showing up in my body simply because I'm doing anything wrong. It is that, yes, some of these things are passed on through the bloodline. Now, there's I know some of you, but I don't, that don't make any sense. But do the work, do the study, right? That if you don't handle 
certain traumas that you have dealt with in your life properly, you can pass the residuals of said trauma to your children and even your grandchildren. In other words, if you were experienced the trauma of child abuse and you never dealt with it, you never dealt with the issues of it, you never dealt with the causes and really, really did the work to preserve and to protect and to clean the palate of your mind and the palate of your emotions. If you've not dealt with hidden behaviors, right, that's on the inside of you because of what you've experienced, what you've seen, right, it's not just enough to say, well, it happened to me, so I'm not going to ever do it to my children. That's not enough to say that when you're dealing with systemic trauma. No, you've got to confront it and look it in the face and say, you know what? I know that this happened to me. And when I told the people who were, you know, were in charge of taking care of me, of parenting me, of covering me, of protecting me, they didn't do it. Right. And I lived in fear. I lived in trauma. And every time I had to meet in the family reunion, every time we had to go to some place, every time I had to see that uncle, I had to see that aunt, I had to see that cousin, or worse should I had to see that father and or mother that violated me, that that would would do certain things. You know, it, 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 I, I saw a show, y'all. This was and it hurt my heart. I saw a show where a young man was was talking on the show about how he was. Uh, sexually molested by his stepfather and he began to watch this as a young boy he 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 would he would know when his stepfather would come home drunk and uh, they would go in and instead of allowing his stepfather to beat up on his mother he allowed his stepfather to to really use his body as a little boy to keep him disconnected from having a violent interaction with his mother. So he was using his body and servicing. Did y'all hear what I'm saying? And servicing his stepfather to protect his mother. So not only was the house filled with substance abuse, not only was the house filled with violence, right? Physical violence, right? That the, the house was filled with a deviant kind of sexuality. And he began to say, I started to fall in love with my stepfather. Yeah, because every, you know, I started falling in love with him because I knew falling in love with him would always protect my mother because he would not do that to her if he had access to him. Listen, he was a young boy. Now he's a grown man trying to figure out what's going on in his mind and his emotions and in his physical body sexually, why he's attracted to certain things. Why this, you know, why his life is filled with the trauma of having to deal with that at such a young age. And, comma, he refuses to get married. And that's a wise choice because he does not want to have children. Not that he's afraid that he's going to molest them, but he does not want to pass any of the trauma that, that may still be undealt with in him to any children, Right. He doesn't want to deal with, you know, having to be in a relationship with the woman. He needs healing. He needs therapy. And then if you're in a community or if you're in a family system that does not even believe in therapy, 
that that's demonic, that's satanic. You, you know, you ought to go to the altar and lay it on the altar. If you're just in that kind of community, in that kind of cosmology, and they won't allow you to at least find specialized help that can walk you through the mental, emotional uh, struggles of that, then, yeah. See, I tell a lot of times, I tell a lot of pastors, let me put my pastor hat on real quick. I tell a lot of pastors, I know we preach the word of God and we are moved by the Holy Spirit. But educate yourself. Educate yourself. Dr. Jeremiah Wright said it years ago. He says only, only 10% of the country's pastors in black communities are educated. That means 90% all they got is a burning, a yearning. They got the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And they got all that, but they've never had any proper training and how to deal with the realities of the people on Monday. That, yeah, we are excited about the living word on Sunday, but that living word has to meet living realities on Monday. And when we are not skilled and capable, even as a spiritual community, to connect people with the other resources that they need because they're not just spirit. And it is dangerous when we are only, when we know, well, when we a little bit know about spirit, right? We get to interpret the scriptures and, right? And people turning around seven times and jumping up and singing and crying over hymns and screaming out in church. We think that that's deliverance and it is not. It is not. A lot of that is in the cultural, a cultural outlet to a spiritual phenomena that's happening within them a psychological and emotional reaction to a euphoric experience. But they got to live Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday in these systemic traumatic experiences trying to deal with that, right? And so one of the things you've got to do, and, uh, and and this is something I purpose as a pastor to do this year, is to teach my people that we are, we are, are focusing on five wealths in their, in their lives, right? And one of those wealths, is a, a, a mental wealth, right? Mental wealth, helping them navigate through trauma, navigate through grief, navigate through depression, navigate through those unspoken, untold uh, experiences in their lives and bringing in professional people and connecting them with the resources that they need so that when they come to church, they can focus on a salvific, salvific experience that has to deal with their spirit man. Right. Sometimes people are not really dealing with their spirit, man. Yeah, because they've got mind stuff going on. They got emotional stuff going on. They got with undealt with experiences that right that sister so and so she's a wonderful alto in the choir. And yeah, she can wipe the church out. But when she gets home, she's dealing with the husband that's beating her. Right. That you've got a good brother who's an usher, but when he gets home, he's dealing with the realities of something happening in his marriage or with his children, right? And we can we can throw scripture at it, and and I mean and I, and we can tell him, oh, just pray about it. But we also have to partner with him so that and her to get over the trauma, right? See, Jesus didn't just say, "Thou be be thou healed." He said, "Be thou what." made whole. You have to be made whole. You have to confront the traumas. You've got to confront 
the rigors of the mind. You've got to confront those things that leave their fingerprints on on uh, the surface of our souls. A deeper, a deeper situation, right? And listen, I do believe prayer changes things. I believe prayer changes people before it changes things. I believe that God answers prayer. Yes, I believe that the Spirit of God does meet us at the point of every need. But I believe that also that's not just a spiritual uh, uh, spiritual rhetoric, but I do believe in real time part of those things are raising up people who have an understanding of both faith and science to help us walk through the difficult stages of our lives, right? That that those who experience significant griefs, they may have lost a child, a parent, a spouse. Yeah, they're still trying to make it. That what is the problem? There is no problem with connecting them with spiritual counselors and spiritual therapists that can help them talk about the pain. We don't have enough time to deal with that on Sunday morning. And the law now requires that if you're going to counsel according to anything uh, on a specific realm, that the pastor has to have some level of education certification to be able to call it counsel, right? And that's just the law. And, you know, so the most you can do is advise. You have to be very careful of that. So because I don't have all the counseling degrees, yes, uh, you know, I went back to school wanting to make sure I got this degree. I want to make sure so that when I speak, I'm educated, but I also know how to help people and specialize helping people walk through the most traumatic experiences of their lives. And let it not be remiss upon you that people are walking through some of the hardest places of their lives. Some people are experiencing physical issues that have been born and transferred through generational trauma. And in Black History Month, that's something that we don't need to ignore. That I believe that our communities should be healed, should be delivered, should be healthy. Healthy. I believe that they also should be whole. Holistically. That means spirit, soul, and body. That they're able to walk as people who definitely, definitely understand that I don't have to live with this trauma. Trauma. I can live in triumph. I can live over this. I can live through this. I can live above this. And that's what we're going to be talking about right here today on the Culture Call with yours truly, L. Spencer Smith, right here on Praise 93.3. Listen, got more to come. Don't miss it. This is the world And we are back right here on the Culture Call with yours truly, L. Spencer Smith. On your favorite station, Praise 93.3 FM. That's right. Playing the best in gospel music and bringing you the best in talk radio. I am super excited to be with you all on this morning. Check it out. So here's what we're going to do. We want to continue in this topic of confronting trauma. Because, again, I really, really, really feel passionately about this. When you look at and survey all the things that are going on in our community, it is imperative for us to really recognize that we this is an issue that we cannot sweep under the rug. That a lot of our boys, we fuss about all of the things that's going on in the streets, the guns, the violence, and all of that. We can fuss about it. We can complain about it. But are we getting to the root cause? And I know, I know if you're, if you're really churchy, it's the devil. I, <laughs> yeah, I get all that. I understand. I, I understand all of that. That's my, been my wheelhouse all of my life. But, but coupled with prayer and 
what and, and deliverance, we need to do some other work, right? One of the things I love about the text is when I study every day, you know, I love about what Paul says in Romans 12, that change comes by the renewing of the mind. Now, let me say that again. That change comes. Transformation is a result of what? The renewing of the mind. That simply means that you've got to do mind work. Let me let, let me let me say that again. <laughs> yeah, you got to do mind work. And I know a lot of people, but just simply believe where they're sitting up on the word and all that. No, no, no. See, you got to understand part of being a disciple. And pardon me for using, you know, the, the re, re, religious language, well, it's biblical language. So part of being a disciple is the retraining or the reformatting of the mind, right? That when those disciples were following Jesus, it wasn't just a course in supernatural effort. It was not just walking on water. It was not just peace be still. It was not just raising Lazarus from the dead, right? But it was this whole idea of I'm going to, if you follow me, I'm going to make you fishers of men. What does that mean? Just let me segue there. What does that mean? He says that you're going to be made in the following. There's something that's got to happen in your mind. And if you did a a kind of study on each of the personalities of the disciples, you would find that these were some ordinary fishermen, for real, for real, for real, right? <laughs> you you will understand Matthew was a part of the retainer class in the Roman Empire. That means that they were he was serving and made sure that the Israel and Jews stayed in their places. He was working on their behalf, uh, on the behalf of the Roman aristocracy, right? But all of these folks, you know, Peter had an anger issue, you know. Peter was, I wouldn't say a racist, but Peter definitely was an ethnicist, definitely that, right? Peter had an issue with people who were not Drew, Jews. And, you know, then you looked at James and John, you know, that would, listen, they were, they were some thugs of the day. If you really read about them, right, you got to get into reading about them. But they follow because part of the spiritual design, part of making them ready to go out as apostles was them following Jesus. And part of their assignment of following Jesus was he was discipling them, reteaching, unlearning them, uh, 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 well, unlearning, helping them to unlearn what they had learned and relearning what they needed to learn, giving them fresh information. You have heard Moses say this, but now I say this, right? You have dealt with this this way, but now I'm trying to, I'm reformatting. Yeah. You will usually fight with the sword, but now I'm saying, you know, hey, those who, uh, you know, fight by the sword will die by the sword. I'm telling you, you got to reformat your mind. The whole idea of the similitudes and the beatitudes, all of those things were about the reformation of the mind, right? The reformation of the mind, right? Because Jesus didn't want just these spiritual bunch of ragtags he, to leave them and only be spiritual. No, I need people who are sane. What does Paul tell Timothy? He says, God hasn't given you the spirit of fear, but a power, love, and what? A sound mind. 
So part of really dealing with trauma is bringing people into the soundness of mind, making them a disciple of, of the possibility that life would be different, life would be peaceful, would be you can you can confront this trauma head on and make it through it, but it's going to have to deal or you're going to have to deal with the reformation and definitely the transformation of the mind, the mind, not the spirit, but the mind. And so as we talk about dealing with black trauma and you see these, these, all of these young boys and young girls getting into things, they, they, these, some of these things a lot of times are transferred are traumatic experiences that they saw growing up without fathers, without, without caring mothers, right? without a system of community and an education system that does not necessarily believe in the full parameter of their possibility, right? That they're living under uh, a, a law enforcement that's waiting for them, you know, uh, to, to, to act up so that they can exact violence, the violence of the state upon them, right? When you, when you look at that, when you look at what they have to live through, not having the proper resources that are needed and necessary, right? That that when when that happens, you know, when when you're dealing with those things, and you call you you're saying, hey, uh, I, I, how I'm going to live as a young boy? They're going to try to go and find a place of being an identity because the trauma of not being able to find that anywhere else from uh, anywhere else, especially from the people that birthed you. Do you understand the trauma of a young boy who, you know, whose father does is not present or doesn't want him or is not taking any care? Do you know the trauma that happens to the young girl, right, who who is young growing up and her mother is young as well, you know, and they're, they're, the mom is competing with the daughter. Do you know how much trauma that is, Right. No, you don't. No, we sometimes we ignore that and say, oh, well, that's no, they can make better decisions. Yeah. OK. And so to them, decision making is to turn violent because what I'm doing is I'm protecting me. I'm protecting myself. I'm protecting my being. I'm protecting, you know, because nobody else is defending me. Nobody else comes to school and talks to the teacher for me. Nobody else says this for me. But these gang of guys that, you know, that may initiate me into their group, they're, they're looking out for me. They got my back, but I'm not experiencing all of this. And not to say that every household and every, every young person that does something has that kind of reality. No, I'm trying to get you to understand the process of trauma, right? And why it's going to take an unlearning and then a relearning in the mind, in the mind. This is why education is so very powerful. This is why wisdom and insight and knowledge is so very powerful. This is why therapy is so very powerful because it gives them the freedom to talk from the mind. It gives, it gives them the freedom to talk from the whole idea of what I'm experiencing and how I perceive life and what has happened to me. And then when you begin to talk to their parents, you will find that there's trauma there too. There's trauma there too. This man left me. You know, 
I'm out here in these streets, blah, 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 blah. All these things, just, you know, I got I to gotta make a, ends me. I ain't got enough money, X, Y, Z. See, those are traumas. Those are undealt with things that bear down. And I'm not, again, as I said, I as a pastor and as a person, not just a pastor, but as a person, I understand that people can have the living word on Sunday, but they live a living reality. And there has to be a mental connection between the living word and living reality, reality until the living word becomes the living reality. But if we don't deal with the occurrences of the mind, if we don't deal with the reformatting and the transformation of the mind, if we don't deal with that, we're just blowing smoke. And for years, for years, you know, you never know how people show up. You never know when you see somebody. This is why you ought to always be kind to people. This is why you ought to always have patience with folks. This is why you always ought to, you know, uh, embrace somebody and, and be understanding and symp- sens- uh, sympathetic and sensitive, empathetic rather. This is why. Because you never know what people have lived through just to get to where they are. You don't know what it costs them uh, to be in, um, you know, to be in in, in church to show up at work. You don't know what it cost them just to be able to conjure a smile. You didn't live with them. You didn't sleep with them last night. You weren't at their homes. You don't know what they're dealing with in terms of relationships and bills. See, part of kindness is a part of holistic therapy. Yeah. What do you mean? When I'm I'm kind to someone, that means that I'm valuing their very presence. I'm appreciative that you have survived. And I don't know what you have survived. And before I become a person who's adding and piling on to the traumatic experiences that you're having, I would just rather be kind. I would simply rather be kind. Let me say this again. I would simply rather be kind to let you know that, hey, you mean something. You are valuable. Yeah, you are a valuable person person and i'm glad that you survived that's something that i really really believe in really really believe in that you are a valuable valuable person think about it think about it if you we don't deal with the mind you know you know when i was a teacher and kids would come in and you know they were acting up in class or they would just they would come in angry and disconnected and you know when I started teaching, I'm like, sit down, be quiet, get your horn out, let's get ready to play, you know, just get, get into my task. And as I began to grow and become acquainted with the students, I recognized, you know, one day I drove up to school and said, hey, you just left across the bridge from, a, you know, a nice little neighborhood with your family and your children. Look at where these kids are leaving from. I taught in the inner city. And so, you know, I had the, I had the, you know, the, the 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 blessed responsibility to live on that not to live on that side of town but every day i was assigned to teach uh it downtown in 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 what is the you know the urban center of jacksonville florida and when i began to understand what these kids were living through and just sat simply talk to them on their lunch break or talk to them during their free periods it was amazing the level that they survived it was amazing that they even showed up to school it was, I mean, really, I, my mind was blown away 
they were living and coping with so much trauma that I figured they need to talk. Just let them talk. Let them cry. Hug them and embrace them and send them on to their next class. You know, because there were limits as a teacher that I could do. You know, but I, but as a as a as a pastor, as a man of God, I wasn't a pastor then. As a person that was a believer, I would pray for them, not with them, but for them. You know, hug them and pray. You know, because they were going through unexplainable trauma. And I was like, "Yo, this is a lot for these babies to be walking through life like this. This was a lot for them to carry." You know, and. Then, then when I would meet their parents, you know, or sometimes one girl didn't even want me to meet her parents. I don't want you to meet my mama because I don't know how she's going to show up. That, wait a minute, think about that, y'all. Push, pause, rewind, press play. This girl, and she may be in the sixth through eighth grade because I taught in middle school, says we have a concert. All the kids' parents are coming. And she said, Miss Smith, I don't want my, I don't want my mama to show up. She said nothing about her father. She said, I want my mama to show up because I don't know how she's going to come. I don't know if she's going to be sober. I don't know if she's going to embarrass me or not. So I didn't tell her. All I told her is I had a thing at school, but I didn't tell her I had a concert and all parents were invited. And I stood there and I was like, yo, you know, I didn't say that. I was like, in my mind, I was like, yo, that's crazy. But that's her reality. I mean, she was an amazing clarinet player, but she was like, nah, I don't know how this fit. No, that was traumatic for her. So she chose between traumas, having an absent parent where, where all the other kids' parents were going to be there or taking the chance and inviting her mom and her mom will be inebriated and embarrass her, you know, in front of all her other kids. Now, in middle school, kids are relentless. They are, they, they jack and they... They, they they joke and they jank. Yeah, they do all of that. And so, yeah. And they're not trying to necessarily be nasty. It's just kind of what they do in, in that level, you know, where they were. And I was like, my goodness. But that's the, that trauma calls to the choose certain that, hey, I'd rather be without my parents and have you ask where she is than to have her come there not knowing how she's going to show up and embarrass me. She had to choose between two traumas. Yeah. She had to two, choose between two levels of trauma. Do you see that? Culture call. Do y'all see that? And even every day, I'm no longer in the school system, but that's the same way I treat it even in my pastor, that we just never know what people, what levels of trauma they had to deal with. You know? We never understand the whole idea of people a lot of times doing the best they can with what they have left. Let me say this again. They're doing the best they can with what they have left. That life and experience and situation have stripped so much from them that just showing up is a blessing. You feel me? Yeah. And so as we talk about confronting trauma, I mean, and we could go through as a people, we could do, go through race, race trauma because of racism, trauma because of slavery, trauma because of segregation. I mean, we could do all of that. I mean, and, and, and we would rightly, you know, be so to do that. But I also want you to see 
that people who have never experienced the, those levels of trauma still have great trauma because of the everyday lives that have been chosen for them. Some of them did not even choose to live, especially their children. They didn't even choose to live the kind of life. That, that life has been chosen for them, and yet they have to bear the brunt of the choices that other people make or have made. And they deserve to have their lives focused on to help them through trauma, help them through what they're going through. They don't need to be put in prison. They don't need to be put in jail. They don't need to be put in school suspension. They need help dealing and handling and getting over and through the trauma that they have experienced in their lives. Don't you think? I know that's right. Listen, we're having an amazing day. 205-752-4800. You can hit me up on the app as well. This is the Culture Call with yours truly, L. Spencer Smith, right here on your inspiration station, Praise 93.3 FM. Go ahead, get hydrated, get your little a nab or something to eat, little maybe a, little, a piece of Snicker bar or whatever, and keep it locked right here. There's more to come. We are back on the culture call right here. It's the top of the hour, 11 a.m. and some change. That's right. If you're just joining us and you're on the second hour, welcome to the culture call. We're having an amazing show on this morning. And I pray uh, that you stay connected to us because I'm telling you, it is a blockbuster indeed. And for all of you who have come back after your little break, good. That's right. I am glad to have you here. Listen, uh, this morning we've been talking about confronting and overcoming trauma, especially in the black community. On this Black History Month, I think it's very important, even as we take a historical look and perspective of all that has happened to us in this country and dare I even say around the world, it is imperative for us to understand this whole idea of systemic trauma and what how does that look in our lives and today right and what we need to do to be able to navigate that so listen if you're tuning in you've tuned in at the very right time at the very very right time listen just want to remind you of uh this weekend is uh i believe it's stillman college's homecoming this weekend i'm telling you i believe it is are replete with a whole lot of homecoming activities. If you are a Stillmanite, yeah, go out and be a part of what's happening at the college. I'm telling you, they're on the rebound. They're doing great things uh, under new presidential leadership, and you need to go out there and support. I support all HBCUs uh, as an HBCU graduate almost twice now, right? I'm super, super excited about uh, Stillman College and all of its students, uh, a lot of the members of our church and my friends are Stillmanites uh, doing amazing things. So if you have the opportunity, go out and support a couple of the events this weekend will be there. They'll be there experiencing that the basketball games and all of that. Be a part of that goal. Yes. And even spend some money there. That's right. At least spend eighteen dollars and seventy six cents there. Right. That's the the year of their founding, eighteen seventy six. Go ahead there, and do that at Stillman College, right here in the beautiful city of Tuscaloosa, Alabama. It's going to be a lot of great things going on. I pray the weather cooperates. Uh, let's see what the Prophet James Spann is going to say about that. But nonetheless, yeah, let's have a great time this weekend. And of course, on Sunday, uh, we'll be having Stillman College. Uh, weekend, a uh, Sunday at our church, uh, celebrating Stillman College and all HBCUs 
uh, hysterically black colleges and universities at the Impact Nation Fellowship Church, 1110 26th Avenue East, right here in the heart of Tuscaloosa, Alberta City, right? Yeah, we want to uh, celebrate with them. And, you know, if you are a Stillmanite and you don't have another church that you're serving in, you are, you have a personal invitation to be a part of our service here at the Impact Nation. It's going to be an amazing time. It's going to be a phenomenal moment uh, as we help them cap off their homecoming activities. Good deal. Great deal. Listen, so I want to get back to our conversation and to let you know, let you know uh, that all of us, all of us deal with trauma. I, 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 the reason why I want to bring, I want to take away the stigma of of the word, right? Because <laughs> sometimes we can have stigma around certain words. Yeah, I want to talk about the stigma of 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 the word trauma. I think it's imperative for us to do that simply because simply because um, one of the things that I think is imperative for that is for us to make certain that you know we all admit and acknowledge that there has been things, experiences, and existential realities that have affected us in such a way that we've not just walked away from. You know, you know, I'm free and I'm free indeed. Free indeed is something that you got to work on every day. Whom the sun set free is free indeed. A part of the charge of that free indeed is our responsibility to make sure that, yeah, we do indeed do the work of living free to the full, Right. A part of that work is acknowledging traumatic things that have happened and dealing with them, confronting with them, and finding paths and patterns and behaviors and mindsets that can help us change, you know, help us move forward in life, right? But the first thing you got to do is you got to take away the stigma and the fear of the word. There is nothing wrong with the word trauma. It's in the dictionary, right? If you're not afraid of the word triumph, then you should not be afraid of the word triumph, trauma, right? Because it's from trauma to triumph. How do we get there? How are we going to get there if we never face facts? You know, um, one of the trauma, traumatic things that have happened to me in my life was the death of my sister. Uh, she died in her 30s. Amazing. She just, my goodness. And I, if it was anybody that I just expected my prayers to work and expect, I did all of the right things, you know, and for to receive that phone call to say that my sister Gwen had transitioned was traumatic for me. And that entire moment, that entire month, that entire week was just my goodness. It was just a whole lot because I first of all, it was unbelievable, but I had never felt something so that ripped my heart and my soul to that degree up until that time. And I was like, yo, and it wasn't it was months later. I took a uh, evangelistic trip to, uh, you know, uh, Africa, South Africa. And uh, I was there with my bishop and we were doing a revival, doing leadership empowerment and an revival. And all of a sudden, my world just crashed on me. And it, I mean, y'all, it crashed. And when I say it crashed, it crashed hard. Trauma, I'm telling you, it just, I, I relived every moment, felt every moment. And I got stuck in that moment. That was the part. I got stuck in that moment, that traumatic moment. And I had to fly home early. I couldn't finish the uh, the assignment, the revival, all the leadership uh, uh, empowerment session gathering. Uh, 
I couldn't finish it. I had to fly back home to the States. And, you know, my mind, that thing, that trauma had worked on my mind so much that I couldn't even recognize my wife from the airport. I couldn't recognize my children. It was just I hadn't slept in days and hadn't eaten in days. And, I mean, I I, I didn't know. I really thought that that thing was going to take me out because my that it had my mind so gripped. The grief, the mourning, the depression, all those things had my mind. And one of the things I can remember that my doctor told me is like, listen, who, and I had a doctor of faith. He was a believer, uh, uh, Dr. Albert White. He told me, hey, you got to get yourself together. I could give you medications, but all it's going to do is treat the symptom. It's not going to get to the root. And we begin to talk about the root of the issue and how he ministered to me both medicinally and and biblically, really helped me recover. You know, really, really helped me recover my mind, my life, because it was in my mind, you know. It was it was something deeply psychological. And I had tried to simply use scriptures and and things. No, it was like, no, 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 no. You gotta you gotta know how to add to your faith. You gotta know how to 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 really go see somebody. You got to talk about it. You got to talk, you know, you got to journal it. You got to do all these things. And and when you really experience trauma, that's not something that you can just shake off. You know, when you're in an accident, sometimes you hit it and you walk out the car and they say, hey, you want to go to the hospital? And you're like, no, I'm fine. I'm good, good. And it is not till a day later that you really feel the soreness and the bang and the trauma from the accident, right? See, trauma doesn't mean that you, when it happens, you feel it. That's not what trauma means. Trauma sometimes shows itself up months later, a couple of days later, weeks later. And now you're sore in an area, right? And and you got to deal with this kind of pain, you know? It's kind of like whiplash. It's that, it's that whole, that kind of something that's jolted me. And in the adrenaline, I don't feel it. In the moment, I may not feel it. I may go through it or through with it, but I don't feel it in the moment. But residually, your neck starts stiffening up and you can't turn your neck and all those different kinds of things. That's what trauma does. And when you think about, hear me now, when you think about the centuries and generations of unhandled trauma, and how it has affected and how it does yet affect generations and children's children. See, because you can inherit the effects of trauma. Let me say this again. That you can inherit Big Mama's trauma. You can inherit the, the residual of the secrets kept and the pain kept. You can, you can inherit all of those in other kind of maladies that they show up in your body. Right? You know... Uh, a text, I believe it's in Ezekiel, that says, shall shall the, fa- uh, the fathers eat sour grapes and the children's teeth be set on edge. They really be- they believe that, that the fathers could ingest sour things, but but the effects, the residual re- effects happen to the children, happen to their generations after them of undealt with pain and depression and discouragement and decisions, right? And so... How do we confront this, L? Because I'm, I'm telling you, I know there are those of you who are listening to me this morning that you're leaning in, and I need you to lean in. The first way that we confront trauma is that we've got to acknowledge that it exists. It happened. Yes, it did happen to me. 
It did happen to me. Now, um, confronting trauma, let me just make a, a very fine, because this is a fine line. Confronting trauma, you know, especially certain traumas, does not necessarily mean confronting the person or confessing it to other people. Because you run the risk of confessing to people who have experienced the same things but trying to wipe it. They're not ready to deal with the truth about an individual, especially if that individual is beloved and they've set up a particular stronghold in their mind concerning that person. Right. They're not ready to deal with it. So that's why you may need that, that whole idea of confronting and confessing has to be, needs to be with someone outside perhaps of the family or outside of the situation, right? That we don't have the, 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 the benefit as if, if it is a benefit of talking to the master, the overseer and the slaveholders of our ancestors. We don't have the benefit. Why? Because they're all dead. We don't have the benefit of those who are, who have, you know, caused so much trauma to our people. A lot of those people are no longer asleep. And one of the ways that black people show up in this country is, you know, addressing trauma. And it's hard because you still have a, a country, some, especially in the South, that doesn't even want to acknowledge that any trauma happened, right? That they thought, because they, they were taught erroneously, they twisted biblical scripture, poor hermeneutics, improper eisegesis, exegesis, to the point of eisegesis, yeah. They, they said things, you know, um, I just read an article where Jefferson Davis, who was a senator uh, from Mississippi, uh, they were having a um, a session of Congress that was like in the 1800s um, when he was when when Congress he was talking about there was there was a bill on the floor on whether to educate black people, and he said, you know, he began to tell this biblical story of this land named Nod that was full of vicious beasts and deplorable animals, all the evil you could ever think for, think of. And the apex of all of that prehistoric animals in the land of Nod that Cain was excommunicated to, right? Yeah. He said the apex were black people, that they were animalistic, could not be trained, could not be educated, and it was God's ordained right, uh, ordained will, rather not right, ordained will to make them subjugated to whiteness and whiteness will always be superior and supreme. That person, Jefferson Davis, yeah, who is revered in the South, a lot high schools, places are named after him. Yeah. Yeah. What was the president of the Confederates? Confederacy when they succeeded from the Union. Right? <laughs> right. So that that's part of the history of the South. That that mentality. That they really believe, and you can hear it. You hear preachers today talk about, you know, that this level of superiority and supremacy, and they think it is biblical. They think God ordained that, and it becomes they've never read it because it's not in any scripture. No scripture supports it. It is not even in the King James Bible. You ain't gonna find it in none. It was something that he made up. That, that you missed it. Let me try it again. It was something that Jefferson Davis made up to, get, to castigate black people.
to, uh, you know, to, to refuse educating them. Right. That was something that was a belief and it's still a belief in the South. And out of that, when they were causing trauma to black people, right, they thought it was ordained of God. There are people even now that perpetuate that trauma, you know, because they think it is ordained of God, which is so wrong. Right. But the way you confront it is you have to have you have to confront it via education because some of y'all just learned something now. Where did they, where did they get this? See, the tools of trauma are people are from people who are traumatized. The weapons of trauma are, are wielded by the people themselves who are traumatized. They are they feel inferior. They are trying to find out what their identity and value and being is in the world. And the best way to do that is to take it away from other people. And it serves an interest. It serves a particular interest. I don't mind you doing this as long as you're not over me. And it caused generations of trauma of Af- from African people, from those who survived the Atlantic, uh, a transatlantic slave trade to those even up to the Civil War, even through, you know, Reconstruction, then segregation, then Jim Crow, you know, experiencing crosses and all of those things, burning crosses and the, uh, hangings and lynchings and all of those things, Right. That, that they created myths. The first thing they did was they created blackness because that wasn't a thing in that time. Then they created whiteness. They created whiteness in this country, right? The superiority of right, whiteness starting in Europe and then in this country through Bacon's Rebellion. And then they created these particular myths that supported their, their particular idea, Right? And, and and so a lot of them are stuck in mythology and don't understand the trauma that they are caused is based on a lie. So you have to shine the light. Now you still see some of those 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 remnants of that. This is part of the reason why they're trying to take those schools, those books out of schools and out of uh, places of higher education, diversity, equity, and inclusion, because. Because the the gift to whiteness is privilege. And when they feel like that part of their supremacy is tied up in the privilege that that supremacy gives them. And so because of that supremacy, they have privilege. And when you say diversity, equity, inclusion, somebody's taking my privilege. And it's causing them trauma. Because I've never really had to make it and work on anything legitimately of my own accord. And see, when see, this is what education does. It levels the playing field. It can, you can begin to heal when you when the lights turn on. When we can begin to repair when things are acknowledged. And and see, that's the part of, of the trauma journey is to getting the acknowledgement of the situation that happens, understanding the intention, understanding what this part of life was all about. Understanding that that person was evil. That person had issues. That person walked through this world unchecked with their malfeasant behavior. Nobody, they were revered. They were the revered uncle, as I said. The revered father, you know, the revered stepfather, the revered this one. They had position in community. And that confrontation, trauma, if you're ever going to get healed, means that I've got to confront not necessarily that person, because that person may be deceased, but the, the, the place, the position 
that that person may have held in the family, in the community, that becomes difficult. That's a difficult journey. But if you're going to get over trauma, you've got to understand that there was systems of protection that that person had to that allowed them. It's not that nobody knew. It was just that, well, they, they, they were going to... They, they they agreed to sacrifice someone so that they could keep their identity or they could keep their labeling or definition of that person. That their evil, watch this, their evil is outweighed by the potential good that they have done or or the good that they have done. Not thinking and considering the evil. You know, think about it. Think about it. Just come on, Culture Call. Think about this. That they're running a candidate now. GOP is running a candidate now that has caused so much trauma. I'm talking about prior to him being the president. Caused so much trauma. But there are people in their minds hold him in such high regard because he's going to restore privilege back to them that they somewhat lost. And he's going to do that by subjugating others because it's those people that are making you feel like uh, are, are the reasons why you're not experiencing, you know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that you're not experiencing prosperity. They're the reasons for your trauma, right? And so they fo- focus on the border, and they focus on that. But watch this, watch this, watch this. Then you'll say, well, don't deal with the border because I want to run on it. Wait a minute, I thought it was an important, and I thought you were looking out for the people. And but they are they are they have been victims of so much of of trauma in their own thinking of being lied to. They they they're traumatized by the lies they've been told. They will vote for somebody who really don't care. It's about them, not it's about the person who wants to be in power, of which he does not plan to give them any, not one, not one scintilla or iota. Of power. They're not going to share in power with him. They're just going to put it in power. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's what that is. That's what, that's what that is. And so it's important that when I say we, when you're addressing uh, trauma, you got to address it from a place of exposure, of education. You got to turn the light on it. What really went on? What really went on? Now, here's the deal. Here's the next piece of trauma. You have to acknowledge that what the trauma has done to you. That's introspectively. That's not about blaming anybody else, but that's taking ownership. Because if you don't take ownership of how it has affected you, then guess what's going to happen? It's never going to get resolved. Because she did it. He did it. If you had not done this and you had not done that, I get it. I promise you, I understand. But if you're going, we're talking about getting healed from trauma, you've got to acknowledge, okay, I got to take responsibility for my life. And yes, you did this, but I'm not going to ever let this thing affect me again. Right? Because part of the trauma is that you got to forgive yourself. You got to come from up under the shame and guilt of the experience that happened. And so if you don't do that, if you refuse to do that, then what happens? What happens? You're living your life of blame and shame, and then you're giving yourself excuses to not live up to your fullest possibility and potential because of what somebody else did to you or what somebody else passed on to you or you experienced. That's not fair. That's not fair to you. No. So you got to do it the, the work introspectively. Introspectively, you've got to have... This whole idea 
of, hey, well, I don't know what to say. I, I, I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to let this thing affect me anymore because I don't want this to pass down to my children. I don't want this to affect my grandchildren. So I got to deal with it. It stops here. That's what it means. And so I'm no longer shame. I'm no longer, I no longer feel guilty. I'm no longer ashamed. I'm no longer holding myself back and, and causing myself not to understand or causing, yeah, causing myself not to, to be able to reach the fullest potential because of something happened to me. Yes, I'm going to love again. Yes, I'm going to have a productive relationship. Yes, I'm going to have a productive, uh, a productive marriage. Yes, I'm going to live as a whole person at peace within myself. Yes, I'm going to develop a healthy mental life, a healthy emotional life. Yes, I'm going to develop a healthy spiritual life. I'm going to develop a healthy life, the life that God has ordained for me to live. Did it happen? Yes. But I'm confronting it. I don't, I'm no longer allowing that trauma to exist on the inside of me to whereby it handicaps me in a particular area where I cannot face myself and face my, my future and even face the person that may have inflicted something on me. That I, I totally possess who I am, my being. I, to, let me say it again. I totally possess who I am and I'm not going to I'm not going to live in the shadows or in the closet of the things that have happened to me yeah I'm not going to do that I am not going to do that and so that's very important that is very very important that that goes that takes place and if you don't do that if you don't do that, you live under the shadow of an abuser. And every time you see that person or you, you know, get around this situation or you hear somebody else talk about it, you will go back into retreat, into regret, into being ashamed, all of that. You will go right back into that old space as if you still have to hide from that person. That's what you will do. And what I'm telling you is that a whole lot of getting over trauma is confronting what it has done to you, right? Because the next time you meet the individual, if they're still alive, the next time you face the situation, you, you're like, no, this, this no longer has any control over me. This no longer has any control over me. I am able to live free. I am able to say, yes, it did happen. But I've dealt with my issues. I've dealt with the fear. I've dealt with the pain. I've dealt with the trauma of what what took place. Yes. And you got to do that. And, and you may not, again, and you may not, let me say this one more time. And you may not even need to talk. Because I don't, right now, I don't know why you did it. I don't know. When my sister passed away, I couldn't talk to her and ask her why she left. I couldn't, I couldn't be mad at God. So I had to take that trauma and process it and say, you know what? You know what? Listen, I, you're going to miss her. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, all of those things, all of those things that I would not give myself permission to experience. 
And I had to go back and I remember my grandmother was saying, hey, don't you cry. You you got you to gotta do the eulogy. You got to do all this. And I'm like, yo, I can't cry for my, 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 my best friend, my only sister. I can't do it. But my, they were, you the man of faith and power, blah, 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 blah. And they used spirit, spirit, my spiritual life against me. That, that all I was was a spiritual person. Absolutely not. But once I found the strength to cry and to release that grief and release the pain and the agony, I finally wrote a book. <laughs> it's called Getting Ready for Love. And I dedicated it to my sister because that's what we would always talk about, relationships. And in that book, I chronicle that whole experience. Before the funeral, when she passed away, I chronicle that in my book, Getting Ready for Love. Absolutely. That was a part of my healing process. That was a part of reading her old writings and putting it into the book and having it like we were having a conversation. That was a part of me healing from the trauma of losing her so soon. So soon. So you got to learn. You can't avoid it. You cannot avoid it. You can't avoid it. You have to say, hey, this is what this thing has done to me. Yes, this is what this thing has done to me. And I will not allow it to have any kind of control. Let me say it again. Any kind of control over my life any longer. Yeah, that that's that that's and, and once I got to that place, once I got to that place, then I started feeling free indeed again. I started feeling my faculty coming back, my mind, my memory coming back because that thing took away my memory. I couldn't. It affected my memories. I felt my sight coming back. I felt my body literally was turning on against me in that space of trauma. And I felt my body coming back to me. And I was like, yo, I didn't know it had all this effect that, that, it, that it took that kind of effect on me or had that kind of effect on me. Culture call, I was literally afraid of my, for my life. I was afraid to go to sleep because I thought I was going to die. Trauma will do that. It will cause your body to turn on itself. And all you're left is with the shell of you. And so, hey, the way you do that is what has this thing done to me? Because I can't control anybody else's actions. I can't control what they did to me. I can't control how they see me and all that. Nope. But I can control how I respond and and build my life from this. And that is major if we're ever going to get over trauma. Man, this is some good eating today. I don't know about you, but I am having a good time, Culture Call, but I need you to keep it right here. Got to take a moment? Yeah, uh-huh, definitely. Right here on the Culture Call. Praise 93.3, your inspiration station. Keep it right here. back right here on the culture call it's yours truly l spencer smith yes praise 93.3 your inspiration station having a provocative conversation today concerning confronting and overcoming trauma that's right right here in black history month it's important that we as our community really learn how to live free from trauma i want to say some things here as we talk about healing and moving toward healing that trauma requires us to settle some issues. What do you mean? It requires us to to acknowledge the ending of a thing. It requires us to acknowledge the fact that 
some things that have happened, we experienced some things beyond our control, some things we decided, some people we invited to our lives, some people who, you know, just just came in. Certain things happened, certain institutional things, systemic things uh, as a result of being black in this country. Nonetheless, regardless of how it shows up, that we've got to figure out what is our response? What are we going to do with this trauma? What are we going to do with the rest of our lives? Because one of the things that trauma does, it desires to keep you in a prison limited to certain experiences and times and seasons within your life when you were mishandled, mistreated, misunderstood, and to continuously afflict a wound on your soul, your emotions, and on your mind. One of the things that the text says in 3 John 2, it says, I do, beloved, I do above all things wish that ye prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. So there's an element that is within us, the context of our souls, where we experience the effects, the initial effects or the, the hiding place. It's what Second Corinthians 10 calls the stronghold place, the pulling down stronghold. It's the place of the stronghold, the fortified place that stays there. That's almost like, uh, you know, the telecommunication system of all of our responses and our reactions and our possibilities, our potentials, right? When we, when we experience trauma, it's designed to stay forever. And it doesn't necessarily want us to acknowledge its existence. Trauma loves to stay hidden. Trauma loves to stay quiet. But ultimately, the thing that trauma loves is to control. Control with, 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 with things that you cannot do anything about. And once you begin to resolve and to resign yourself to that understanding that, yes, this did happen, and I cannot do anything about the experience. It happened if it, it afflicted me and inflicted its wounds, it affected me, then I have to make a choice now. If I'm ever going to conquer it, if I'm ever going to get out of it, if I'm ever going to get beyond it, I've got some choices to make culture call. We've got choices to make when it comes to trauma. Yeah. And first of all, you need to ask, will I allow this thing to rule over me? What place, what throne am I allowing this thing to sit on that's controlling my life? See, trauma doesn't something, you know, go away by ignoring it. No, it just represses itself. And then it begins to show itself up in perhaps another generation or another, you know, facet in your body moving from your mind. It could show up in breast cancer, any kind of ailment. It could show up any kind of thing. And, you know, one of the things that this man was stricken with palsy. Y'all remember the text? And one of the things that Jesus said that was so powerful, that was always intriguing to me, he never said be healed of your sickness. He said, be made whole 
and go and sin no more, lest a worse thing happen to you. Which means that whatever he was in had such, whatever sin or whatever transgression he was doing had such a traumatic effect on him that it literally caused him to stop living. See, it's not always what is done. Sometimes it's what we also participate in and what we do that causes us trauma in our lives. And so I've got to admit, yes, I've been dealing with the the expanses of trauma. I've been dealing with the the outlier occurrences with trauma. I've been dealing with this mental thing, dealing with the sickness in my body and I just X, Y, Z. And you know what? You have to admit it that, it, yes, it did happen. And now I'm ready. Here's the thing. Make yourself a commitment. I'm ready to be free. See, trauma does not want you to make a commitment toward better. Let me say that again. Trauma does not want you to make a commitment toward better. Does not. Does not. It wants you to stay stuck where you are. It wants you to stay stuck right where you are. It does not want you to move. It does not want you to, you know, to get resolved. It wants to perpetuate because it doesn't want to be overthrown. It doesn't want that stronghold to come down. But you have to say, I I deserve to be free. I deserve to smile again. I deserve to love again. I deserve to be whole and healthy in my sexual life. I deserve to be whole and in, 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 in my emotional life. I deserve the best. I deserve to be financially healthy. I des- I deserve that. I'm going to commit to my life. I'm not going to allow trauma to control me. See, you have to say that. You have to rehearse that. You have to meditate with that. Roll it around and massage it in your mind. Get away from negative people. Find yourself some help, professional help. Why do I say professional help? Because the professional help is duty-bound to keep whatever conversation, whatever you say, it, they are professionally bound to keep it quiet, to keep it silent, to keep it under covers, under wraps, that you ain't got to look to see it again. Yeah, you ain't got to know. Because if you tell other folks, they're going to tell other folks. Every room has vents. And they're going to vent it up to other people, somebody else. No. If you really want to be serious about it, see, you don't tell people till you get delivered. You don't tell people until you made some resolves and you see progress happening in your life. Because folks like to talk. It's just the nature of people. And they love to tell other folks business. They'll never tell your, they'll never tell it about their own, but they sure will tell you, oh, your business. Child, she did such a, man, he did such No, no, get you some professional help. A lot of times you can get it through your job. Look into it. A lot of times you can be referred, you know, to somebody, but get to some place where you can talk and you're not and you're not shamed about talking. And they allow you to say that and you know it's gonna stay in that room. It's not gonna go anywhere as you work toward regaining your soul, regaining your emotions, your body. Yeah. As you work toward doing that. Find you a safe space, a sacred place that when you open your mouth, you don't have to worry about being judged. You don't have to worry about how you feel being adjudicated by the perspectives and the perceptions of other people. No. 
Absolutely not. Get you a place. Let me say this again. Get to a place to where I want to be where you can I can you can hold it in secret, but I can see you face to face. I know we can talk to God in prayer, but find you somebody else or who was a therapist, a licensed therapist, and 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 talk to them. Talk to God until you can get there. Absolutely. You know? Or maybe you may have a friend that they are a vault. And that ain't many of friends. I'm tell trust me, I'm I'm telling you right now. Some people you cannot vent to. Oh my gracious culture call. I know you know what I'm talking about. There are some people you cannot vent to. No, absolutely per no, you cannot. They got they, they mouth got, they have what they call logorrhea, same as diarrhea. They mouth just running. They just love to talk, love to gossip. Those people are terrible for you trying to overcome any level of trauma in your life. But yes, I will be free from it. And then here's the last part. Allow yourself to experience the freedom. I want to say that again. Allow yourself to experience the freedom. Yeah, allow yourself to experience the freedom. And and I think that's that's very important and critical that if you don't allow yourself to experience the freedom, then you're going to stay stuck in trauma. No, let the good things happen. That's right. And sometimes the good thing is crying over something, crying over it and letting that water wash your soul and your emotions. Let those tears do what it's supposed to do to be the pressure release valve on your heart, on your life. You'll find that your blood pressure will go down. You'll find that your hair will stop falling out. You'll find that your diagnosis will begin to change. You'll begin to help your body help you. Absolutely. But you got to do that. You have to do that. Allow yourself to smile. Allow somebody to love you. Allow them to love you. Allow them to tell you how beautiful you are. Allow them to give you compliments. Receive it because you're worthy. Yeah, you're worthy of being celebrated. Yeah. I know you still got flaws and mistakes. Yeah, I get it. I'm not talking about deified as if we, as we, you know, celebrate God. I'm not talking about that, but you are, you are worthy to be celebrated for just making it, for just your life. They want to celebrate your birthday, let them. They want to buy you some flowers, let them. Yes. They want to love you, allow them to. See, give yourself another chance. Give yourself a chance. Watch this, not just another. Give yourself a chance to finally be free from trauma. How about that? Do that for you. You deserve it. Experience life. See, here's the deal. We can, but when it comes to trauma, you know, so many black people are caught up. Well, once they give me reparations, once they give us money, as if money is the issue that's going to alleviate trauma. Now, I ain't going to alleviate trauma, but it'll make me feel better. I, okay, okay, so what, you going to be miserable? What if they never get it? What if they don't change those, don't, they don't pass the law until your ch- grandchildren get reparations? You're going to keep using that excuse not to live your best life? No, absolutely not. Trauma is the ability, or being free from trauma rather, is the ability to live your life, what? Without excuses. 
Right. That you've got to understand. I uh, I, I read a quote, and it was Anjanou Ellis that said that. She said this. Uh, actress, black actress. She said, when I see the survival of black people, then that is evidence of God being alive. That thing shook my soul. Because you got to know that the only way that we could survive as a black people, as a black community, is that there has to be a God that has helped us. Right? Yeah. God of our weary years and God of our silent tears. God who has brought us thus far on our way. We used to sing in church the song, we come this far by faith leaning on the Lord. And yes, healing from trauma means that you can operate in faith to give your life another chance, confronting it and healing from it and triumphing over it and living a life of victory and freedom to do and to be and to become is when you begin to say, you know what? Ain't no way I would have, ain't no way if there was not a God, I wouldn't have made it. If it was not a God that helped me, you know, if it had not been, well, I'm, listen, don't make me turn this studio over. <laughs> if it had not been for the Lord on our side, where would we be? That's when you know that trauma did not win. It did not and it will not because it cannot win unless you give it space to win. Trauma will not win. That is what I want you to go through this day about. Hey, it won't win. It happened. But listen, like Mahalia Jackson said, how I got over. So look back and wonder how I got over. I'll tell you how he brought us through. And we did the work to preserve our lives. That's right. Absolutely. Listen, I see the runway. I got to land this play on this show. My goodness, it has been amazing. But listen, I need you to keep it right here on the Culture Call. Got a little bit more to go. I'll talk to you in a minute. Well, family, it's been a wonderful day, a wonderful day right here on the Culture Call. Yes, sir. Our conversation, I know it's been a little bit provocative today. I know it's been a little bit challenging, and and that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing at all. I'm grateful to be able to be on to encourage those of you to let you know that even if you're listening to me at your in your home and you're by yourself or whether you're listening on your ear pods at your job, doesn't matter where you were, uh, that someone is wants to encourage you that, yes, you can heal and get over trauma. You can. That trauma does not have the permission to stay in your life any longer than you want it to stay. That's facts. That trauma does not have the ability to keep you in a place to where, you know, where you can't operate in life any longer. You know, one of the things that our Savior said, I come that you might have life and that you may have a, a more abundantly. And I'm a stickler for words that might have life. Doesn't necessarily mean that you will. That might is not up to him. That might is up to you. It's what you do. It's how you view your world. It's how you view the places and the, the spaces and all of the things that have happened, the sum total that have gone from a child, even those things that you may have, you know, epigenetically, there's a good word, epigenetically inherited from our foreparents, from your ancestors, the undealt with trauma, the pain and the, 
not just the pain, but the effects of that pain in your body and certain diseases. Guess what? You can stop that. You can get that canceled out. Absolutely. That you've got to begin to recognize and acknowledge that that is the life that they came through. And I'm not looking for anyone else to heal me or to make me free. I'm deciding to make a decision to agree with what God has said concerning me. That's my choice. That's exactly what I'm doing. I'm making a conscious decision to agree with God concerning my life. I am not going to allow anything that has happened to me stop me from living in my future. Anything that has happened to me in my past, in their past, has no hold on me. I am worthy of living free. I am worthy of being at peace within myself. I am worthy of having happiness and experiencing love, joy. Yes, I am worthy of all of that. And you've got to begin to say that no matter how much I can say it. Yeah, I can lead you in the chant, but guess what? You got to say it because at the end of the day, you shall have what you say. Isn't that real? That's right. I know it. I know I'm right. <laughs> you shall have what you say. That's exactly right. And so don't forget, yes, we all go through trauma, but it's how we deal with it, how we handle it, that makes all of the difference. And I believe that all of us are designed to live in that kind of victory. Listen, at the end of every phone call, my grandma and my mom would say, I love your bushel. I love your peck. And I love you. A hug around the neck. This has been the Culture Call with yours truly, L. Spencer Smith, right here on your inspiration station, Praise 93.3. Have a great day. Love on somebody intentionally. That's right. Live in victory. Smile often. That's right. And do your best to be the best person that you can be. Y'all have a great day.